You are listening to an Elam Church Christchurch podcast. We hope that you are encouraged and inspired by the message you are about to hear. And if you're ever in Christchurch, why don't you pop in and say hello. We'd love to connect. Good morning, everybody. Oh, goody, there's enough room for the angels to sit down. That's so cool. <laughs> and, yeah, to anybody that's watching online, um, just feel part of what's going on this morning as well. We're starting a new series as from today. So, again, I, the short straw got drawn. Um, it's called the, Spirit, uh, the Forgotten God. And I'm doing part one, which is the Spirit of Life. Um, you might have wondered actually who the forgotten God actually is, seeing this is the whole reason that we're here. But um, it also seems very, very strange uh, that we're talking about the Holy Spirit when we call ourselves a Pentecostal church, which of course relates back to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Of course we believe in the Holy Spirit. After all, we are Pentecostal people, aren't we? Yeah, right. <laughs> Yet maybe we've become so familiar with the name that we've forgotten the wonder of who he is as God. The Holy Spirit is um, multifaceted, honestly. It's, it's impossible really in this short time to even just talk about the spirit of life and cover what we need to cover. But maybe just a little bit of this will give you, a, just draw you a little bit closer to him. If I was to ask you, what four words from the Bible impact you the most, what would you answer? <laughs> that could take you a while. So while you're having a wee think about that, I'll just open in prayer. Father, we just thank you for this time, Lord God. We just thank you that it's all about Jesus. But this morning, Lord, we're discussing and talking about for the next four weeks, your precious Holy Spirit, your abiding spirit, Lord God, the one that indwells us, Lord God, the one that changes us and empowers us and impacts us, the one that makes us new. Father, we just want to invite you to release your spirit over this congregation in a fresh way this morning to give us greater understanding and greater reflection, Lord, to humble us before your throne, Lord God, in the awesome majesty of who you are, in Jesus' name, amen. So while you've probably sort of thought of all that, I'm going to give you my four because I get to hold the microphone, so I get to do the talking. <laughs> but as I use these four words, I just want you to pause for a minute and think about the impact of them. They begin at the very, very beginning of time. In the beginning, God. Just the enormity of those four words that in the beginning, God. God reveals himself through these words. No one but he was there and present, available to unfold the opening pages of history. The psalmist wrote, before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. In the beginning, God. God is not singular. The Hebrew name Elohim 
El part of it is singular, donating the one true God. But Elohim, that's plural. So in these few words of the Bible, God is revealed as one, but also more than one. And in these opening lines also, we discover who these more than ones actually are. Genesis 1, 1 to 4. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was brooding over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, and it was good, and God divided light from darkness. God toward the day, the light day, and the darkness he called night. So evening and morning were the first day. There was no creation of earth on this first day. God simply said, light be. And a division occurred between light and darkness. There was no sun, moon, or stars. The word divided light forever from the darkness. Everything was then created through the light. John 1, 2-5 goes, He, the Word, speaking of Jesus, was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him was nothing made that was made. In him was life. And that light was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness has not overcome it. Every word was then followed by action as this triune God brought everything into created order to the climax of a human life. Joined to him by the very breath of his spirit. In Genesis 2 verse 7, And the Lord formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. The words spirit, breath, or wind are the same in the Hebrew, ruach. The first human received life in his first connection with God as the spirit breathed into him. This incidentally was the first time that EAV, or expired air ventilation, for those that want the full term, a precursor to CPR, had ever been used to bring someone to life. How really cool is that? It used to be, I recall, called the kiss of life, which I think was just an excuse for the guys with the, to, to hang out with the girls, but they called it the kiss of life anyway. Hmm. EAV was also called the biblical method. That's an interesting statement, isn't it? Not because of God's first breath, but there was a story in 2 Kings 4 about a prophet called Elisha who, through God's intervention, gave us a Shumanite woman a son, and that son later died. And because Elisha, actually to bring him back to life, actually lay on him and face-to-face, hand-to-hand, and breathed into him, they used this to, to call it the biblical method. What they hadn't taken into account is that same Shumanite woman had 
traveled on a donkey for 30 kilometers one way <laughs> to find Elisha, who was actually at Mount Carmel. So the child had been dead for hours by the time Elisha got back. So I think a miracle was actually easier to consider than the fact that he breathed into him. But it was a unique way of actually bringing him back to life. So they called it the biblical method. Incidentally, deeply rooted in Hebrew tradition in the 11th and the 12th century, writings called the Midras. It was believed that this method was used by the midwives in Egypt in 1300 BC. And in particular, one named Puha, which is found in Exodus chapter 1. Because the Egyptians had decided to reduce the population, they were throwing the baby boys into the rivers. And they believed that the midwives actually cottoned onto this and were actually imparting their breath to bring the children back to life again. Um, it's a Hebrew thing under the Midrash, so you can take that one. <laughs> um, as I say, it's very difficult to, in this cameo moment, to just give a bigger picture of the Spirit of God. But there's just three points that I've, I've brought up on this time, and I know over the next two or three weeks there'll be more that will come through. So the first of these is that the Holy Spirit gives physical life. In Job 33 verse 4, he speaks about the Holy Spirit. He says, The Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. In Job 34, 14 to 15, if he should gather to himself his spirit and his breath, all fresh would perish together, and man would return to the dust. We often speak of rebirth, of being born again as believers in Jesus, but really of the miracle of birth itself. These scriptures tell us that we are made by the Holy Spirit and given life by his breath. If he withdraws that, we die. And many of us, I know, resort to Psalm 139 when we want a little bit of confidence building as to how precious we are to God. For you formed me in my innermost inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I'll praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. In Genesis 1, verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Does it cause you to stand in awe as you gaze at a newborn baby? Or look more kindly on your image in a mirror? Or over your life experiences? To know that you are not a random act, but an intricate and highly valued creation by the Spirit of God, without exception. The Holy Spirit brings new life. Billy Graham wrote, The Spirit illuminates the minds of people, makes us yearn for God, and takes spiritual truth and makes it understandable to us. On the night before his death, Jesus spoke these words concerning the coming of the Holy Spirit, who would indwell believers after his death and resurrection. If anyone loves me, they will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come and make our home in them. He was speaking of the Holy Spirit's ability to 
not just introduce him as himself, but also to make us more aware of who Jesus was and to introduce us also to the Father. Again, another triune experience that he was to bring to us. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I have said to you. And in chapter 16, verse 13, but when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. A dividing line was coming when a choice must be made. Despite God's great love and creative heart for all people, a vast chasm separated us from him through our sin and rebellion. One was coming who would awaken a sleeping world, ignorant of its need, to provide a way to new life found in Jesus by the Holy Spirit. The death and resurrection of Jesus tore the veil that had separated mankind from their creator. Life was coming. The Holy Spirit would fulfill the words of Jesus. In John 10, Jesus had said, I came that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. The Holy Spirit seals our eternal life. 1 John 5, 11 said, And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Ephesians 1, 13 to 14. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. And in Romans 8, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits that we are children of God. And of children, heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Jesus says it's the spirit that gives life. The flesh promised, profits nothing. His words are spirit and life. The Holy Spirit is God, fully and completely. So important was his coming that Jesus had to go away to allow it to happen. This incredible being has the power to indwell people, to create in them the bride that will one day be presented to the Son, pure, spotless, holy, and complete. In the last chapter of Revelation, we find all three together, we find Jesus speaking, and then the Spirit and the Bride together say, Come. In the beginning of creation, we find the Holy Spirit brooding over the dark waters, waiting. 
The picture is of that is of a mother bird brooding over her eggs, patiently waiting. The eggs hatch and the chicks are born, but they are featherless, scrawny creatures with no way to defend themselves. Tenderly, she cares for them, feeds them, watches them grow, their feathers form, and they become beautiful. She teaches them to fly. The Holy Spirit is as that mother bird. Every area of our lives has been watched over, tenderly cared for. Even Jesus, as he spoke, as he gazed out over Jerusalem, used the same thought that he had wanted to gather the children of Israel as a hen gathered her chicks under her wings. Maybe wherever you are this morning, whether it's online or here, you're feeling a little bit like that featherless, scrawny bird, not able to get past your circumstances, not knowing why you're here, not able to see yourself as Jesus sees you, the Holy Spirit is here, wanting to bring refreshing, hope, and encouragement. Our life in Christ is a journey, and Jesus promised the Helper, the Holy Spirit, would abide with us forever. Maybe you have never met Jesus. Maybe you've never encountered the Spirit of God. There is only one way to enter this kingdom that God has set up, and that is through the Son, Jesus. It was his life on the cross that made it possible, the tearing of that veil that allowed us through the doorway. He paid the price for every one of us. He alone is the way. He alone is the truth. He alone is the life. And no one, no one can come to the Father except through him but it only takes a minute to meet him. The Holy Spirit is here right now, wanting to minister to people. Earlier when we were praying, um, one of our team had a picture of a blanket. And I got a sense of that again, even as we were worshipping today, that the Lord wants to minister in a way that is very gentle, but very impacting. I sense again that blanket. I sense again the huge compassionate heart of God. He's walked with his people through very dark times over these last few years and felt their pain and felt their, their need for rebuilding again. And I get a sense this morning that he's reaching out to hearts right now, calling you home, calling you in, calling you for the first time to enter into a relationship with him. So for a few moments, we're going to just, yeah, just let him do the ministering. Maybe if you want prayer, there will be prayer people available for you. Um, but maybe just make this time also yours. If you've never in your time of your encountered Jesus for the first time, I give you an invitation now to do that. Even as we shut our eyes, even as we just spend this time with the Holy Spirit's presence, that, that you could come.
Maybe you could follow through on a prayer with, um, and then make yourself known to people today. So I lead you in a prayer. Just, just make it your own. Just share with it. Just speak with it and let it touch your heart. Father, we ask right now for your grace. Lord Jesus, I come to you. I come to you to know you for the very first time or to return again from a loss that has turned me away from you. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would enable me to know you better. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you'd enable me to know Jesus. I ask forgiveness for the things that I've done. I ask forgiveness for the things that have turned me away from you. And I ask that you would come and fill me again. I ask that you would encounter with me, Lord God, your love, your presence, and make me brand new. In Jesus' name. Right now, I get a sense of the Holy Spirit ministering, particularly to people that have known loss, people that have known a sense of whether personal loss or whether it's a sense of having gone down a road that has turned into dust and ashes for them. I sense like a wind as, as he comes. It's, it's, it's a, a gentleness, a, a blanket, but it's, it's also like a wind that's washing away stuff, that's, that's blowing away things that have just hindered or got in the way of, of all that he's wanted to do in your life. But he is such a tender God. He is coming with such a tender wind, such a tender grace. Oh, I just get a sense too that there is there's fear and anxiety that has held you back from, from coming close. That having failed, you find it difficult to return. And I get a sense this morning that he's bringing you back to that place of saying, the door is wide open. The door is wide open. It is never closed. I have always been there. And I'm drawing you back to myself. Have I not told you, my children, how precious you are to me? Have I not told you how precious you are to me? I have called you by name. You are mine. I have called you into my kingdom so that you would stand firm in times of heartache and times of trouble. But I have not called you to stand alone. I have called you to stand in my presence and in my spirit. I have called you to come. Simply because I love you. Simply because I want to be near to you. You come without expectations, children. Come without any need to prove yourselves. Simply come. Because I have called you. I have called you by name. I have called you and I love you. Draw in my presence this morning, children of God. Draw in my presence knowing that I will cause you to stand in dark times. I will cause you to stand as the world gets darker. The light of Christ will shine brighter. I will cause you to stand in that presence and in that light. Do not be afraid to go forward. There is no other way, children, but to go forward. Because I am lifting you into a new place of understanding and revelation. I'm calling my people to be a light in this time and in this generation. 
to shine as never before in the darkness of life. And I'm calling you because I love you. Thank you for listening to this Elam Church Christchurch podcast. For more information about our church, you can visit www.elamchristchurch.org or connect at one of our services every Sunday at 10am.